after Isha prayed, like now everybody is going home and sleeping, the Rabi'ah would wait on the door of the Prophet ﷺ, hoping that the Prophet might want anything or need anything. So that was what's in his mind. And then the Prophet ﷺ asked him one day after he saw how much he cared about him, make a wish, Rabi'ah, and I will be happy. Thank you. And I will be happy to achieve or, or carry out the wish that you have. So Rabi'ah told him, I will let me, give me some time to think. Rabi'ah went home and thought about it and said to himself, you know, I thought about it and I said to myself, there is um, this earthly life is short and cut and I have a certain amount of risk that will come to me and is enough and will come to me. And then the Prophet ﷺ came to him the next day and asked him, have you thought about it? And Rabi'ah told him, yes. And then he asked him, what is your wish? He said, my wish is to ask you to ask Allah to let me be your companion in Jannah. That was his wish. And we said that is, has a lot of philosophy and a lot of depth coming from a young man who was only 19 years old, who was very poor, did not have anything in his life other than the place he sleeps in with Ahlul Sufa, the poor people. So that reflected deep understanding of Islam. And that left the Prophet ﷺ wondering and asked him, who told you that? Or who taught you that? And Rabi'ah told him, nobody taught me that. I just thought about it and I thought, you, are, you have a high place with Allah and this earthly life is short and cut and I have a risk that will come to me. So I thought, I ask you about my akhirah better than I ask you about my dunya. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, then, أَعِنِّي عَلَى نَفْسِكَ بِكَثْرَةِ السُّجُودِ Then, help me achieve this by making a lot of sujood. That's how we ended today with this beautiful story in Salatul Jum'ah. And let me build on it with another story or two stories or three stories and then we conclude inshallah. The next story that is in line of that is about the young man again that you have heard his story before who came with a delegation with Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the people who were coming from Yemen to visit with Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That young man was very young. And then it was the habit and the custom of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to give people gifts. When they come, they go back home, they take gifts with them, they give it to their parents. So here comes a young man who refused to take any gift. So the delegation, who, the delegation with whom he was staying, they tried to convince him. And they said to him, try to take something. Your parents, are, you're going to make them happy. And when they see everybody coming and getting something, and you go empty hand to your hand to your parents, it's not good. So take something. Again, he refused. So they went and complained to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and said, talk to him and see what is, what is his deal. So the Prophet brought this child to him. This is a teenager or something, very young man, 15, 16, something in that range. So the Prophet وسلم, asked him, why wouldn't you take? 
something to your parents, a gift like anybody else. And that young man said to him, no, I don't want anything. So the Prophet said to him, then ask me anything you want. Tell me something you want. I'll help you do it. He said, I want you to make dua for me. And then the Prophet asked him, what is this dua that you want? And the young man said, I want you to pray to Allah or to make dua to Allah to make the richness in my heart. So the Prophet ﷺ smiled and the words of this young man put his hands in the heart of the child and said, Allahumma ja'al ghinahu fi qalbi. Oh Allah, make the richness in the heart of this young man. So he went back very happy and he was the richest person in the world. And of course, the ghida or the richness was the richness in his heart. Was not in his money. Was not in his, in his hands. Was in his heart. A year passed. The delegation came back to the Prophet ﷺ. And the young man was not with them. The Prophet ﷺ remembered him. And said, what happened to the young man who was with you last year? They said, by Allah, we have not seen anybody like him. Who's so, you know, strong in his iman. Was so rich in his, in his heart. Was a different person. We never seen anybody like that. So the Prophet ﷺ made another dua for him. And said, وَإِنِّي لَأَرْجُوا أَيَّمُوتَ جَمِيعًا and I pray to Allah that this child dies in total. They looked wondering at the Prophet ﷺ. And they said to him, وَهَلْ يَمُوتُ الْمَرْءُ أَشْتَاتَ And does a person die in pieces? And the Prophet ﷺ explained to them, Yes, we die in pieces. A piece for Allah, a piece for yourself, a piece for your degree, a piece for that, a piece for that. We are kind of divided. We are not worshipping Allah in total. In other words, the verse that says, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ may apply over here. As the end of Surah Yusuf says, that the majority of them believe in Allah with shirk. Do not believe in Allah except with shirk. So they believe, but still there is shirk. So the Prophet ﷺ made dua for the child to die in total. And I pray to Allah to make us all die in total. With our hearts totally devoted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the ultimate goal that we want to have. And that would be the best destiny one would have. When you have your heart totally tied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the moment of death. Look into Yaqub alayhi salam. If يعقوب الموت فقال لبنيه يا بني ما تعبدون من بعد when the death came to Yaqub he said to his children ما تعبدون من بعد قالوا نعبد إلهك وإله آبائك إبراهيم وإسحاق ويعقوب إله واحدا ونحن له مسلمون what a beautiful moment of death a father is on the, on the bed of death and his whole concern all what he's concerned about how his children and his grandchildren and everybody in his family is going to have the heart tied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why are you going to worship after me?
that was his concern at the moment of death. And that's what I mean. We want to die in total as the Prophet ﷺ made dua to this child. We also learn from this story, beautiful story, that the real, inshaAllah, the knowledgeable Muslim is the one who thinks of the richness of the heart. The one who puts the dunya not in his heart, this earthly life, not in the heart, but in the hand. And Imam Ahmad was asked, would it be possible to have somebody who's zahid, you know, you have zuhd in this earthly life? And he said, yes. And they asked him, and how this would happen? Somebody had thousands of dollars with him, or millions of dollars. How would he be zahid? He said, yes, he could be zahid, no problem. He could be zahid, or have no, you know, desire in this earthly life, even though he or she may have tons and tons of, of thousands of dollars. He said he would have it in his hand, not in his heart. That's how it is achieved. If the money is in your hand, not in your heart, then there is no problem. If the house is in your hand, not in your heart, then there is no problem. Then things come or go, it does not really matter. Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu was one who was raised by Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa raised in his house. So you have somebody who is directly raised with Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa You have a good example of a model that the Prophet sallallahu showed us how you raise a child. That was Ali and also Fatima, his daughter. They were together. Ali ibn Abi Talib, as we said, he used to walk and say, this earthly life we make it for those who, was, who have no arrogance and do not want any corruption on earth or spread anything wrong on earth. We learn from Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu and the story, his story and Fatima, how much Ali was was, you know, zahid in this dunya. Did not want anything for his earthly life. He would even sell his sword that was given to him as a gift from Prophet Muhammad Sell his sword to buy clothes. And though he, he used to make money, but he used to give all the money away. Whereas the money was in his hand, was not in his heart. And he was, he was the one who was taught by Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and Fatima, his wife, was helping him and supporting him in that direction. Dear brothers and sisters, when we look at the Prophet ﷺ and see the example that he set for us, how this heart should be pure, sincere, we see him learning from the Qur'an, from what Allah taught him. Look into how beautifully the Qur'an expresses to us this fact. When Ibrahim السلام, comes and gives us his view of how he looks into this life and how he looks into the hereafter, said, The day when no money, no children would be of any benefit to you except those who come to Allah with a sincere heart. Qalb salim, unbroken, doesn't have anything wrong with it. Pure, transparent heart. 
That is what is going to count. And that's why, even if somebody comes in with, with you know, praying day and night, qiyam, ruku', sujood, but the heart is not clean. The heart is not transparent. The heart has an atom weight of kibr, wal'iyaz billah. That kibr, arrogance, or pride, would stop him from entering, or her from entering Jannah. With nobody, as the Prophet ﷺ expressed it to us, nobody would enter Jannah with an atom weight of kibr. That is how important that transparent heart, sincere heart, pure heart, is in the day of judgment. And that child, in that story, understood that meaning. That is my first story, dear brothers and sisters. The second story comes in from the time after the Prophet ﷺ predicted that the Muslims will be willing in the, uh, after the battle of Al-Ahzab, or the parties who came in the battle of the trench to invade the Muslims in Medina. After that, the Prophet ﷺ predicted that the Muslims will win. And he said, as Sahih Bukhari tells us, الْآنَ نَغْزُوهُمْ وَلَا يَغْزُونَ From now on, we go to them, they're not going to come to us. We invade them, they're not going to invade us. And that's what actually happened. From that moment on, from the fifth year, which is a landmark in the history of Islam in Medina, the Muslims started to spread out. The Muslims started to spread Islam and, and, and the light of Islam to others in peace after the agreement of Al-Hudaybiyah. Not in war, but in peace. There were a few incidents where the Prophet ﷺ sent you know, some of his commando units to discipline those who betrayed the Muslims. And according to any international law that we have now, when somebody breaks an agreement with Allah or, or comes and threatens you and declares war against you, you have the right to declare war back against those people. So the Prophet ﷺ declared war against all those who declared war against him in the battle of Al-Khandaq, the trench. And in one of the tribes, Abail Bani Bakr, Muhammad ibn Abi Maslama went to discipline them after they participated in the war against the Prophet ﷺ. And they managed to get back, you know, lots of things with them. And then their way back, they captured one person. That person was a very influential person. That person was a millionaire. But he came in and he was in his way to kill Prophet Muhammad That was his purpose. And that's why he moved, left his tribe, left his kingdomship, left the leadership and went to, was in his way to Medina to kill Prophet Muhammad And he intended to make Umrah after that. So they captured him. His name was Thumama ibn Uthal. So Thumama ibn Uthal was a rich man. He caught him. They put him with the prisoners of war in the masjid as they used to do. And he started to see the Muslims. And how the Muslims are interacting. Like you see the Muslims, mashallah, in this community and in this masjid, how much they care for each other and how much they love each other and how much they stand and salute each other and welcome each other. You know, that, that beautiful brotherly and feeling that you have when you sit with your brothers and the sisters sit with, with each other and how much they will come each other. 
was astonished at the environment that he saw. The Prophet ﷺ knew Thumam, knew that this was Thumam, and knew his position, and knew how rich Thumam was. So he came to Thumam and said to Thumam, So Thumam, now you are captured. What would you like us to do for you? So Thumam was a leader. So he answered him an answer of a leader. He said to him, In ta'fu, ta'fu an shakir. If you forgive, you forgive somebody who acknowledge what you do. A thankful person. وَإِن كُنْتَ وَإِن تَقْتُلْ تَقْتُلْ ذَا دَمْ And if you're going to kill me, you kill a person who has blood, meaning his tribe will revenge for his blood. And I have a strong tribe. And I'm a leader. And my tribe would not let you go free after you kill me. وَإِن كُنْتَ تُرِيدُ مَالًا فَسَلْمِنْهُ مَا شِئْتُ and if you want money, ask what you wish. You'll get it. And he meant it. He's a rich man. At that time, the Muslims coming out of the battle of the trench, coming out broke, they don't have that much money, they are in need of money, they're building themselves, it was really a good opportunity for the Muslims to make at least some money. We'll get a good amount of money that would be enough to let the Muslims survive a couple of weeks or months at the battle of the trench they all were putting stones on the stomach there was not enough food you know uh, one of the companions was calling the Prophet ﷺ and said come I invite you for a piece of a goat small tiny goat and the Prophet ﷺ called upon all the companions. There were 3,000. They all ate from it. Jabir was the one who invited the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, I was embarrassed. I had just very little meat. And I thought the Prophet ﷺ did not eat, so I invited him. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Your brother Jabir is inviting all of you. Come and join. And they all came in and ate from that little goat that was offered to them. And all were full, alhamdulillah. But that tells you how much they were in need of money and financial matters at that time. So the idea was to make money out of Thumama as a prisoner of war. Let him pay for it. But the Prophet ﷺ came back to him and said to him, You go free. You want nothing from you. As the verse teaches us, إِنَّمَا نُطْعِمُكُمْ In Surah Al-Insan إِنَّمَا نُطْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجِهِ اللَّهِ لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورٌ We feed you for the sake of Allah We want nothing in return That's what happened So Thumama Did not believe himself A rich guy like that Got in all the money and the Muslims Let him go like that So he left But he thought about it and then he went to a well of water, washed, made wudu. He lived with the Muslims a couple of days. He knew what the Muslims were doing. Made the wudu, tahara, came back to the Prophet ﷺ and talked to the Prophet 
I'll listen to some of what he said. I don't recall all what he said, but I'll tell you some of what he said. He said to the Prophet ﷺ, by Allah, that your face was the most repugnant face on the, on the face of the earth to me. The most hated face on the earth to me was your face. And by Allah, your face now is the most beloved face to me on the face of the earth. And by Allah, the land you are you, you standing on was the most hated land to me. And now, the land you are in is the most beloved, beloved land to me. That's how much he changed. And I bear witness that there is no deity but Allah and that you are the messenger of Allah. That was the character of the Prophet ﷺ. Was not interested in money, though he needed the money. Was not interested in revenge. Here is somebody who came to kill him. Deserved the death penalty. Or at least, you know, life sentence. Stay in life. And stay in jail the rest of his life. As a prisoner. The rest of his life. That's what we do today. Did not do any of that. Did not even think that he would revenge from a person who was determined to kill him. And said, you go, free. Nothing in return. But that guy came back and showed the acknowledgement as he promised the Prophet ﷺ in ta'fu ta'fu an shakir. If you forgive, you forgive somebody who acknowledge. And if you forgive, you forgive somebody who is thankful. Came back and declared his shahada and commitment to Islam. He continued and said to the Prophet ﷺ, I wanted after I my plan was I would go and make Umrah after I kill you would you allow me to make Umrah and the Prophet said to him yes go ahead and make Umrah so Thumama went to Mecca and in Mecca there was making Tawaf and the people of Mecca they came to him and they said to him Asabauta ya Thumama Meaning you left the religion of your parents and grandparents, Thumam. So Thumam said to them, Bal aslamt. By Allah, I declared Islam. And by Allah, from now on, you would not get a piece of grain of barley or wheat until Prophet Muhammad gives the permission for you to get it. He was the biggest merchant there. He was the main supplier of wheat and barley and food to the people of Mecca from Yemen. He was the main supplier of the food. And from now on, have economic sanctions against you. You're not going to get a single piece of grain until Prophet Muhammad gives the permission for you to do so. And he carried out his promise. And the people of Mecca suffered and believe it or not they sent a petition to Prophet Muhammad to talk to Thumama to break the economic sanctions against them and as usual 
Prophet Muhammad وسلم, always forgiving. Always have this desire to see people acknowledging their mistakes and coming to the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Was never a blamer, was never a person who seek revenge. And he sent to Thumam and told him to send them the food supply and Thumama did. That's another story that I wanted to share with you and show you how the Prophet وسلم, is caring with so much, you know, forgiving the Muslims and trying, forgiving Muslims and non-Muslims and trying his best to raise, let the Muslims see how Muslims forgive and raise themselves from what, the level of just looking at things into a higher level of seeing people in Jannah, of forgiving and bringing all the people together to the spirit of Islam. This was Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Let me introduce to you another story that shows us how the Prophet was taking the Muslims from one level to the other level. The other story is when he was we mentioned the story of him and Sa'd ibn Ubadah today when Sa'd ibn Ubadah said اليوم يوم الملحمة اليوم تذل قريش and the Prophet ﷺ corrected him and said to him say اليوم يوم المرحمة اليوم تعز قريش today is the day of mercy today Quraysh is honored we mentioned that in Salatul Jum'ah today and we said the Prophet ﷺ was appointed Sa'd ibn Ubadah as one of the, of the four leaders who would enter Mecca victoriously or lead the army into Mecca and we said he decided to uh, take the leadership away from him because of this statement why? because if he goes with that spirit into Mecca a massacre is possible and the Prophet ﷺ did not want to see any blood in Mecca did not want to see the people of Mecca who tortured him persecuted him suffer did not want to see that happen. So he decided to take the leadership away from Sa'd ibn Ubadah and we said he put it in the hands of his son. You see? Qais ibn Ubadah ibn, uh, ibn Sa'd ibn Ubadah. That was a wise move. That's what we explained. But look into the next step. When he entered Mecca, the people of Mecca there, they said to him, what are you going to do to us now? And what you say to us, what are you going to do to us? And the Prophet Sallallahu said to them, I would not say to you anything except what my brother Yusuf السلام, said. لا تثريب عليكم اليوم يغفر الله لكم No blame on you. Today Allah forgives you. That is what he said to them. Whosoever enters Abu Sufyan's house is safe. Whosoever enters Al-Kaaba is safe. Whosoever enters his own home, close his door or her door is safe. That is how the Prophet ﷺ acted. When it was night time, Zabat to sleep, they asked him, Time for you. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it's time for you to go back to your home the home that you left 
long time ago, 10 years ago, the home that you were raised in, the home that you raised your children in, the home that you slept in, the home that sheltered you, time for you to get it back. You go and sleep there. And the Prophet ﷺ replied, smiled to them, replied, and said, whatever you gave for the sake of Allah should not come back to you. What a lesson. What a level the Prophet ﷺ wanted to take the companions to. Whatever you gave for the sake of Allah, you don't get it back. I gave the house for the sake of Allah. I don't get it back. Though it's my right to get it back. Though it's my house. But if you want to be at a higher level, you don't get what you gave for the sake of Allah. That was the lesson that the Prophet ﷺ wanted to teach the companions. And looked at the person who took the house. Uqayl ibn Abi Talib. is very close to him. And he became a Muslim. And he smiled at him and said, وَهَلْ أَبْقَى لَنَا عُقَيْلُ شَيْئًا Uqayl got it all, did not leave anything for us. That's the meaning of what he said. This is, again, your Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and how he acted. Look into again the level that the Prophet sallallahu wanted the companions to come to. Suhail ibn Amr one of the companions who really were, uh, one was a companion later after he became a Muslim. Before that, he was not a Muslim. In the battle or in the agreement of Al Hudaybiyyah, Suhail ibn Amr was the representative of Quraysh. Was standing here, and the Prophet is standing here, arguing with the Prophet. The Prophet says, Right, Ali ibn Abi Talib was the right. right. This is what was agreed between Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the messenger of Allah, and Suhail ibn Amr, the representative of Quraysh. So I said, stop. Erase the word, the messenger of Allah. I don't believe in that word. And the Prophet looks at Ali with a smile and says to him, erase that word. Say Muhammad ibn Abdullah. And... Suhail was arguing, Suhail was the brain of the, one of the brains of the Arabs, was really arguing so much. And then in the middle of the, after the agreement was made, suddenly his son Abdullah came in and he wanted to save heaven with the Muslims. He said to the Muslims, I, I managed to escape and come coming to you. So his father stood, Suhail ibn Amr stood, and was trying to hit his son. And the Muslims were looking at him. And the Prophet ﷺ said to Suhail, we signed the agreement, yes, but please, just let it go for me. Just do it a favor to me. Let your son stay with us as a favor to me. And Suhail would not listen. He says, no, you gave me your word. That anybody who comes from our side, you will retain him. You would retain him to us. You would not keep him. And you got to respect your word. And the Prophet ﷺ said, I respect my word. And said to his son, Allah will make a way out for you. That's how much Suhail ibn Amr was against Muslims and against Islam. 
and against the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then the Prophet ﷺ sent a hint. Suhail, when he saw the Muslims coming to Mecca and entering Mecca, was wondering what's going on. You know, and he said, That's, that must be you know, the truth that Prophet Muhammad ﷺ had. Prophet Muhammad ﷺ sent a message to him that the Prophet would let him go free, would not really punish him, would not do anything to him. So he said to the companions, Suhail will come to you. And listen to that statement that he made after that. فَلَا يَشُدَّنَّ أَحَدَكُمُ النَّظَرَ إِلَيْهِ Do not look him in the eye. Do not feel that you kind of putting him down. Or oh, now you came coming to us humiliated. Don't do that. Don't even look into the eye. Look him in the eye. Do not even do that. فَلَعَمْرِي إِنَّ سُهَيْلًا لَهُ عَقْلٌ وَعِلٌ Suhail has a brain. And he said, and not a person like Suhail would misunderstand what Islam is. And he's going to come to Islam. And Suhail did. Alhamdulillah. That's another example and another story of how the Prophet ﷺ was looking and trying and working hard to bring the people back to Islam. Look into the Prophet ﷺ. Order Bilal to make adhan. And Bilal is making the adhan and there a young man about 19 years old Attab ibn Usaid was standing away from him Attab you know was standing Al-Harith ibn Husham and was standing with Abu Sufyan the three of them were standing and Bilal is making adhan so Attab said well my father should be happy that he is not a witness of this day, hearing that man chanting this ugly voice. Something to that effect. Not exactly the same words, but something to that effect. So, Al-Harith ibn Husham said to him, Well, I wish I knew what is so influential about this religion. I wish I find out what is moving people that much. And Abu Sufyan smiled at them and said, I wouldn't say anything. Because if I say anything, the stones here will tell Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So I would not say anything. A few minutes later, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi came in and talked to them, talked to Attab and said, what did you say? Attab and Attab looked at him wondering what's in the mind of Prophet Muhammad he knew that there were only the three of them and there was nobody else and there is no time for anybody else to hear and go and tell Prophet Muhammad he said nothing so the Prophet said to him you said such and such and such and the Prophet 
made dua for him that Allah guides him and immediately Attab realized that the Prophet Sallallahu is not just saying things from his own must be a revelation that is coming to him realized that and declared his Islam immediately to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that's not the end of the story I want you to notice how the Prophet Sallallahu used the hikmah the wisdom knew how to use the resources knew how to utilize the the power of the young people move them motivate them since we're talking about children and young children talked about a few examples here and this is our last example when you know he stayed in Mecca and then was time for him after matters settled it's time for him to leave and go back to Medina the companions of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam especially Al-Ansar thought that Prophet Muhammad is not going to go back to Medina because this is his own city this is the place where he was born this is the place where he was raised this is the Mecca this is the Haram this is everything so why would he go back to Medina that's what they thought so they made a statement they were talking to each other and made a statement and they said perhaps the Prophet felt so tied up to his land to his country to his city perhaps a feeling of mercy has touched his heart and he want to stay with his people and we would understand So the Prophet knew what's in their hearts. And Allah showed him what's in their hearts. So he came back to them. He didn't hear them. He wasn't with them. But he did what was done to Attab ibn Usaid. And said to them, didn't you say this? They said, yes. And we understand the situation. And we don't have any problem with that. The Prophet ﷺ looked at them and reminded them, Didn't I promise you when you came to me in Bay'atul Aqaba and I told you that life is with you and death is with you? Said yes. Said then I would carry out what I said. And he said, I go back with you to Medina. And I die with you. Whatever happens to you, I would do it. And the Prophet ﷺ kept his word. But before he left Mecca, he was about, he had to make a decision to appoint the Khalifa of Mecca, the president of Mecca after the conquest of Mecca. Now, Mecca is a Muslim city. Who is going to be the Khalifa of the Muslims in Mecca? It was Prophet Muhammad وسلم, a choice to put Attab ibn Usay, the president of Mecca, the young man, the 19 years old young man as the president of Mecca, in spite of the fact 
that there were so many people who were much older than him, much more influential than him, but the Prophet ﷺ chose him. Why? He was a straight man. The Prophet ﷺ did not look into the problems that happened. He said this, he said this. You know, he said this about Bilal. Did not look into that. Look much deeper into the heart of this young man. And knew that his heart was not that much contaminated like the older people. And knew that there is a potential in Attab ibn Usayn to succeed and follow the leadership. And that's a very important lesson for us as adults here who have children. You may see the young people here wandering and playing around and doing this. But I assure you that the majority of them, if not all of them, have good hearts. Their hearts are not contaminated. Maybe their hands are contaminated. Maybe their eyes are contaminated by what they see. Maybe their brains are contaminated with the chemicals that come from their body and the urge to do things. But I assure you, I dealt with them. Their hearts are pure, sincere, honest. They don't have envy. They don't have all these diseases that we have seen in adult Muslims or adults in general. The majority of them do not have these problems. We should build on that. Get them closer and walk with them. I was given talk to the children, Islamic school of Irving today, and I was telling them the same message. I went to a conference in Kansas City. And the chairman of the conference, Islamic conference, was one of my students in the Islamic school. Chairman of the program was one of the students in the Islamic school. The person who picked up the speakers from the airport was one of the students in the Islamic school. And on and on. These are products of our community. One sent me a principal of an Islamic school, sent me a request for a recommendation letter to work for another Islamic school. And I said, yes, I will give you my recommendation. You are a good person, good principal, and inshallah, you'll do a good job. And I'll be happy to recommend you as a principal of the Islamic school, any Islamic school that you want to go to. That principal was a student in my Islamic school when I was a principal, a product of our community. He grew up, graduated, got his master's degree, working on his PhD degree, and now is a candidate to become a principal of an Islamic school. Can't imagine how difficult this student was when he was with me. He was a troublemaker by our definitions. Discipline problems, you can't imagine how much discipline problems he caused. Every day he's in my office. But his heart 
was clean, pure. When he graduated, he started to see that the fun that he used to have with the discipline problem is no longer there. And then, went on with his life. The background that we gave him worked with him very well. The treasures that we gave him, the Islamic background, the seerah and the sunnah and the teachings of the Quran and the Prophet ﷺ, it's a treasure. He carried, out, carried it out. And it worked very well with him. Managed to succeed in life. That's again another example for us. How when the heart is good, even though you may see discipline problems here and there, but the person is straight. Last week, I received a, a request to fill a recommendation letter from the court of Missouri. The Supreme Court of Missouri. I looked at the name. The name is familiar to me. They wanted my recommendation. Somebody put me as a reference. Wanted to work with them as a lawyer for the Supreme Court. I smiled. That person is a student of mine in the Islamic school. Now, she is, mashallah, top student, top lawyer, graduated with honor, and now is ready to serve in the Supreme Court of Missouri. Another example. And on and on. This year, last month, was writing to a friend of mine in the School of Medicine in Baylor University in Houston to let one of the students come and work for them for a month or two just for rotations as a doctor under training that student the graduate of the Islamic school succeeded managed to be a doctor and to come to the highest place another one managed to get an internship Make like, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars just in a few months. Product of the Islamic school. Chosen over several other students. Another one chosen to teach in the university. Teach. Not only teach here, but go and teach abroad. In France, in Italy. The professor. And that was a product of the Islamic school. Student of mine. And the list goes on and on and on. I want to tell you. You trust your children. Trust them. Work with them. As the Prophet ﷺ trusted Attab ibn Usaid. He was not blinded by the statements that he made. Was not blinded by the circumstances that Atab lived under. Looked much deeper into the heart of Atab and the hidden qualities inside Atab and discovered them and built on them. And Atab was one of the best leaders in the Islamic history. Led Mecca to success during the most difficult time. The first year 
of being a Muslim city. And now you see schools in Saudi Arabia in his name. Open, just type his name under Google and you will see many schools under his name. That is Attab ibn Usaid. That is Rabi'ah ibn Ka'b al-Aslami. That is Thumam ibn Uthal. And on and on. And I planned to end at 10.30 now it's 10.33. I'll stop and give you a few minutes if you want to make any comment or we conclude, inshallah. Thank you very much. May Allah reward you. Any comment? Sorry, it's getting late. Would have, you know, made it much different in style. But I think you need to come to Fajr prayer early, so. I will stop inshallah. Zakin Allah khair. Subhanakallahumma wihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa an. Nistaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Walasr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladina amanu wa amanu salihati. Wa tawasaw bil-haqq. Wa tawasaw bil-sab. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.